Hey up, welcome to another episode of the One Up podcast. Hopefully your favourite video gaming podcast, if not at least top three, I'll settle for. <laughs> I am joined this episode by Becky. Hello. Andy. What up, fuckers? And yet another fake chip. We have Foxy with us. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, okay. Ooh. <laughs> I liked that. Ooh. I like it. Oh. Yeah. Well, you've you got to come up with something new, don't you? Yeah, car- carve your own path. Carve your own path. This episode, we are talking about quite, I guess, quite a serious topic, but hopefully we can bring our usual lighthearted chaos to, to the mix. It has been Mental Health Awareness Month. We've actually missed that on the recording <laughs> of this. <laughs> yeah. Due to physical and mental health reasons, I think it is fair to say. You know, got to take care of yourselves first. That is what is the most important beyond everything else. It turns out trying to record a podcast with severe laryngitis is not on. No, it's not. It's definitely yeah. not. You'll all be grateful for not having to listen to me croak my way through an episode. <laughs> <laughs> trying to host an episode with COVID brain as well. Oh, God, yeah. Like, yeah, my head was a sponge for about a week. Anyway, we are, though, talking about gaming and mental health. In fact, this episode is The Games That Saved Us. And I don't know what tune we put here. Like a da na 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 maybe. I don't I'll know. figure something out. <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's da-da-da-da-da. free, we're good. <laughs> that was, is that da 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 da? What song's that? Are you, I don't know. It sounds is like it a song. Da 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 da. Oh no, that's gonna bug me now because I, I think I know that is yeah, a song. Yeah, you, you know—is it Snoop Dogg? I don't oh, know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> if it comes to me during the episode, I'll just start yell it out in the middle of somebody's yes. very vulnerable <laughs> moment. Like, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> hey, Andy here, editing the episode you're listening to right now. It turns out I couldn't work out what Becky was talking about. But her saying Snoop Dogg gave me this idea. So here, for no thematic reason at all, is a MIDI version of Dr. Dre's The Next Episode featuring Snoop Dogg. get into <laughs> before we delve deeply into what has been what what has been good for us in the gaming world of mental health beginning to regret this already um, <laughs> the unraveling we keep saying this podcast isn't a therapy called podcast and yet and yeah here we are here we are it's time to do some how are we's and what have we's been playing i think that makes sense sort of andy i'm gonna come to you first oh thank you you're welcome i talked about a few things that I played on Bash's new series, the Indie Showcase, so you should definitely listen to that to hear what I thought of uh, Team 17's Killer Frequency. I played a bunch of really great games since we last recorded, but I'm going to cover those on some video game deathmatch episodes coming up. I played some real fucking stinkers like Redfall and Gollum, and I'm not going to bring those... I don't want to bring any bad vibes to this episode by ranting about those for a while, so I'm just going to just leave them alone. Me and you can deal with Redfall, like, separately. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about the Stanley Parable because yes! I forgot to bring it up on the Indie Showcase and I really want to talk about it. <laughs> so it was kindly gifted to me by Bash on my birthday last month. It's essentially what would be called a walking simulator, I guess. It, but it's one, of, it's one of the classics and it's one that I've always wanted to try but never seemed to get around to 
playing. And a quick brag, I played it on my Steam Deck because I'm a Steam Deck dickhead now. Way. Uh, and it work, works really nicely. And you, you are Stanley and you are working in an office. Like Your, your job is very vague because it, it doesn't really matter what your job is. And the weird thing about this game is it's narrated, the entire thing. Every action you do is narrated by this, this voice that's following you around everywhere and the narrator tries to guide you along to the, the story that he wants to tell but you don't actually have to do any of that like the first thing i did like this was, it was my first instinct playing the game was to ignore the narrator's advice to go through a specific door so i went through the other door and i just kept walking and he kept trying to get me back on track there was multiple chances he had to say well now you've had this nice little diversion why don't we go back to the meeting room and i just kept going the wrong way <laughs> Until he led me to a room, like he said my wife was in there. I walked in and it was a mannequin. And then like, <laughs> the door locked behind me. And like he just, the narrator basically started to try to systematically break my spirit. Uh, <laughs> just like tearing down the artifice of my life and the game and everything. Until the game, it, just, it was just psychological torture almost. <laughs> until the game just reset and went back to the beginning. And then, so I followed his advice at this point and went through the right door. But then I decided to go into a broom closet and just stand there. And <laughs> I stood there for quite a long time. And the narrator just kept commenting on how long I'd been in this broom closet for. <laughs> and how nothing was ever going to happen in this broom closet. And I should move on. <laughs> and I just stayed there, <laughs> continually annoying him. Then I decided to go downstairs instead of up. And I got trapped in this PT-style loop that was just getting more and more fragmented with every run until you eventually die of exhaustion and the narrative point of view like switches to somebody else who finds your body <laughs> and then the game reboots again and i just it's just kept doing this over and over and there's so many different ways to just go off course you can like follow to a certain point and then veer off again and the game is always there anticipating your weird little whims and spinning off a completely new meta story i don't want to spoil any more stuff i just wanted to talk about I wanted to give an idea of just how clever and inventive it gets. There's a, there's like a real Douglas Adams energy to everything. Like nice. The tone of voice of the narration is like really dry, meta, and it's really well thought out. And like I love games mm. with intricate game systems, but I also love really clever, like well thought out narrative games that the, the only game system you've got in there is opening doors sometimes. And the Stanley Parable is like 100% that game. <laughs> uh, it might, in fact, be the game of that style. <laughs> and maybe other games don't actually exist. Or am I, how am I to know? Like, maybe it's all in my head. Hopefully, whoever speaks next can disprove that for me. I hope not. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, Foxy, you spoke up next. So, you know, how are you? What have you been playing? I'm, I'm grand. Thank you. And thank you for having me on. I have been playing two things recently, and one of them is your fault. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, th thanks to the uh, the Stardew Valley episode. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. I. You've been playing Doom. I got. The... <laughs> 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 no, but such such is the nature of your influence. Like now, I will play Doom. <laughs> oh my god, we could get Foxy to play anything. I don't like that power. <laughs> but yeah, I uh, I thought you know what I I poured like 150 hours into my first farm, and then I kind of hit that wall when I realized, wow, I've spent so much time in this game and my farm is just absolutely dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, when I first started playing it, I saw all these, these pictures online of people who had these lovely 
grids laid out and small gardens and little things set up everywhere around their house to make it look nice. And I looked at my farm and just kind of sighed. So I thought, I'll start again and I'll do it properly this time. And I've poured <laughs> in around about the same amount of time and my farm's still not that good. <laughs> <laughs> but on the plus side, I have discovered some, some new things that I didn't get to the first time around. Um, so I, I didn't, I didn't get to the, the kind of extra challenges that you can get to on Ginger Island from what's his name? The mysterious man key key. Yeah. Yes. And his weird you, casino. Yes. It's very weird casino. So I, uh, yes, I, I managed to, you know, collect all of the walnuts to, to get the extra challenges there, which is nice. at least something new. And I have set up a small tea garden in my, in my farm that's surrounded by tea bushes and has a nice stone table for a, for a little Aww. seat. So yeah, that's, that's something. But eventually I thought, right, I actually have to do something else now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so as luck would have it, I had delivered a memory card for my Switch. Because nice. up until now, I've been just trying to have stuff on there and shuffle things around and it hasn't been working particularly well. So rather than play something new, I of course stuck to what i know and i've been playing xcom 2 war of the chosen mm. the expansion to xcom 2 which is more or less an entirely new game to the point that i've had to play it on a kind of easier setting because i'm just not used to what's coming now despite playing xcom 2 to death but yes i've always been a massive turn-based fan and yeah i just love the xcom series because it's got that kind of those kind of on-the-fly stories that you can take part in during a a match so you basically make all the characters look like people that you actually know <laughs> so that you know it's more devastating when they inevitably cark it <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, uh, <laughs> but there's there's always just those those really fun moments where you're you're kind of panicking and you're like oh my god that guy over there is gonna die next turn unless i can do something but there's nothing i can do from here and then you realize actually if i blow a wall uh, like a hole in the side of the apartment that i'm in then that means that this guy here can shoot from the house across the street straight through the wall and kill the guy that I need to kill. So yeah, I just, I like those little kind of intricate, it's like a nice little puzzle game almost, but just super, super stressful. So yeah, I have been enjoying that. Very, very good. I'm glad that we can influence you this way. <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about it. Good. You feel good. You feel good. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, I feel good. <laughs> Yes, Becky, gaslight him. That's yeah. very, very healthy. Yep. Mental health episode, everybody. It's it's the episode for it. I mean, it is, yeah. Uh, Becky, how about you? Are you better now? Have you, I am, um, yes. Have you been playing anything good or bad? Well, like Andy, I dabbled in Redfall because it's on Game Pass. And also, like Andy, I'm not going to talk about it. But the main thing I've been playing is Pillars of Eternity, which is a turn-based RPG with D&D Pathfinder flavorings. Mm. So I've been really into that. It's a really fun story. The gameplay, the mechanics are a bit janky because it, it's a few years old. Um, but as far as like point and clicks and, you know, dialogue goes, this, it's really cool. Like the combat's quite fun there's bits where you encounter like certain obstacles and it takes you through like a story with options and it's the artwork is gorgeous so yeah really enjoying that i can't romance anyone until the sequel which is annoying me and i didn't realize this because i was romancing the shit out of um the fighter of the group who's like tall blonde farm handsome and i was like yay himbo my type um, <laughs> but it turns out you I can't don't. actually <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he knows it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it turns out you can't romance. So I was talking to this guy and eventually I was starting to get all the same dialogue options. And I was like, huh? So I Googled it and was like, oh. So that is probably like knocking it down to like four stars, if I'm going to be completely honest. Because why would you <laughs> present me with like a six foot tall blonde tanned farmer if I can't be like... Hey. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> but otherwise it's really fun and I'm I'm getting towards the end of it now. So I'm looking forward to finishing that off and then I will be hopefully playing the sequel. Nice. And it's on Game Pass if anyone's interested. Sorry. Oh, I, I don't have Game Pass anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know. She, she cut the card. She's <laughs> what free. What, what, are you going, what are you going to do day one now? Exactly. Well, I mean... There are no know, more day ones for you, Sasha. No more. No more day <laughs> That ones. sounds bleak. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Mental health episode. <laughs> the reason I cancelled it is I realised I'd not played anything on it for like five months. Yeah. And I'd kept keeping it so I could finish Mass Effect. And then Mass Effect and Dragon Age? Dragon Age. Yeah, Dragon yeah. Age. There was that massive sale where they had like 90% off on Steam. So I paid like £16 for all of the Mass Effects and all of the Dragon Ages. And I was like, do you know what? That's like two months of Game Pass. I don't yeah. I don't I don't need to keep it for like one game. Because I genuinely I just have so many other games in my in my Steam library and like my Switch yeah. PlayStation libraries as well that I've not played and I was like, oh no, I, I can't justify it anymore. Mm, yeah. Call it saving budding, saving budgeting, whatever as well. Like I think there's an element of that trying to cut out as much as is not needed because you know what it's that thing isn't it where it's like game pass is what 8.99 a month or whatever it was but that builds up over a year anyway so yeah i don't have that anymore but it's fine because i've still got as previously just said like so many games and i can still have my day ones i just have to buy them you don't buy anything on day one though famously (laughs) no it's true i don't um (laughs) 50 off or it's not getting bought Yorkshire tight ass. Uh, indeed, indeed. <laughs> Games just aren't worth it. Uh, no, they're not, right? That's actually the secret undercurrent of this episode. <laughs> Games are not worth it. No, they are. Except um, when they are. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Andy already stole my line, right? Because I was going to be like, if you want to hear what I've been playing, go listen to the new indie showcase. I apologize. The first episode that I hosted and came out today on the day of recording this one you know i mean or don't i art your mother so <laughs> I, don't, I don't actually care what you do but <laughs> we'll keep listening to this actually probably yeah. it probably counts as a listen already by this point so it's fine we're fine you can go if you want <laughs> we've got your engagement yeah that's all i need <laughs> so all of that aside because grief we sound increasingly toxic um <laughs> we're very nice honest <laughs> We're just very tired. <laughs> the game I have been playing is The Legend of Zelda. Not the one you're thinking, Breath of the Wild. So if you've been living under a rock, let me tell you about Breath of the Wild. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I'm not going to explain to people what Breath of the Wild is. Yeah. Tears of the Kingdom, of course, came out last month and it was quite expensive. And I was looking and I was like, Sasha, I'm not allowed to buy it until I finish Breath of the Wild, a game I was loving when I played it last year. And then, you know, ADHD brain hit and I got distracted by something shiny. My PC, to be fair, it's very shiny. But when that arrived, all console gaming stopped. Like, I no longer cared. To be fair, I still don't do much console gaming. (laughs) 
anymore because I'm always like, I could play it on like my PS4 or the Switch. The Switch, which my child usually has, or the PS4, which in comparison is just garbage. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, I have you played Breath of the Wild. I'm determined to actually finish it this time. And I've told myself I'm not allowed to buy Tears of the Kingdom until I do. So having a lot of fun being Link again and, you know, once again, Bash defying who I once was. It's yet another massive open world game. Mm-hmm. And I'm just I'm just vibing with it. It's great. The combat is like vicious sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the amount of mobs I get one shot by. Half the time I won't have even like engaged with them. I'll have been like, I'm just trying to, you know, take a wide berth around them and then like I won't have seen like one that was stood around a corner or something and like doom I'm down. Like, cool. Yeah, that's what I wanted. But like I love the puzzles, the shrines, and like I've never played any of the old Zelda games. So I think it's really it's a really good introduction to Hyrule and, you know, Link's world. Especially for people who've never played a Zelda game. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. you said that because I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. I think I think I played like ten minutes of Ocarina of Time. Was that on the N64? But other than that, yeah, I haven't played any of the old ones. I think like in a franchise that big, for a game to not at all feel like I don't feel like I need to know anything about <laughs> Zelda or Hyrule or Link to understand what's happening. And I've really enjoyed that it doesn't have any sort of lengthy tutorial because we know what I'm like with tutorials. I <laughs> watch them. He needs tutorials, Sasha. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like it's quite um, sandboxy mm. in that respect. Like there has been a lot of trial and error. I am having to get a bit better at stealthing, I think, but that's fine. I, I'll cope. So yeah, it is. It is beautiful and i'm hoping that the urge to finish it for tears of the kingdom is what's gonna actually get me to finish the game that and you know if my 10 year old ever gets his filthy little mitts off the switch <laughs> like he's just got his claws like dug into it he refers to it as my switch and i'm like no oh dear <laughs> oh yeah kids love doing that with things they can't pay for <laughs> like oh okay yeah sure do you want to give me the money for it? Yeah, you got receipts for that, have you? Down the mines you go. Yeah. <laughs> Up the chimney. I don't have a chimney, but if I did, <laughs> go clean Build the a chimney and then get up it. <laughs> so, so far, we've advocated child labour, <laughs> gaslighting. What else? Just general arseholishness. We're doing Yeah, we're doing I feel like, yeah, we're doing, we're doing great. We're getting the silliness out of the way, possibly, hopefully. Are we? Are we? <laughs> well, I can't predict I the future, can I? I admire your optimism, Andy. It's, it's unusual for you. It's delusional. <laughs> <laughs> and on those delusions, let us segue. So before we talk about and do something of that that roundtable format that you might have heard us do quite a few times. We've had, you know, the games that made us, the games that made us poop our pants. <laughs> Before we do, like, uh, specifically games that saved us, I did want to, like, have a conversation in general about, I don't know, how video games in general have improved our mental health and maybe looking at... And if people want them, I can link to specific studies. I did my research, all right? Don't know why I'm getting defensive already, but there we go. (laughs) But also just talk about, you know, what generally has been proven 
in terms of video games and mental health from some quite wide studies that happened in 2019 and 2020. So in the spirit of, you know, I think when I put this forward, I knew I was asking our podders to be a bit vulnerable in in some respects. So, uh, you know, we don't know how this is necessarily going to go right now, but, you know, just like be kind to us. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll, of course, be kind to each other. And yeah, I think I don't mind opening here on this one that for me video games have been a solid source of distraction and solace when i've needed it you know whether that's relieving stress you know or if there's been like life shit happening (laughs) just like a way of coping with that yeah like i don't i'm not i don't think distraction is always a bad thing i think sometimes you need to not be thinking about something to properly process it and video games for me have sort of really given me that over the years and we're literally talking about like since i was a kid you know i don't know if any of you sort of felt that sort of similar benefit i assume so otherwise like i don't think we'd have this podcast at all (laughs) (laughs) no not not at all yeah, I think I think for me, I sort of I fell off video games kind of when I was when I was a teen for various reasons. I was absolutely determined I was going to be some kind of cool in with the cool kids person. I never was. I just tried. So I didn't really kind of do all the geeky stuff in quote marks. But then when I picked up, it was Skyrim when I was at university, and I'll talk about it more later because that's one of my picks. But just the idea of getting back into to video games as stress relief primarily, and then it kind of became, like you said, a distraction when I needed it, a way of kind of recentering myself if I fell out of control or if I felt too anxious and I couldn't really engage with the world without feeling overwhelmed. I would always retreat into a video game, and I still do now. While I was ill for the past couple of weeks I played Pills of Eternity a lot because I physically was exhausted and couldn't really do much but I needed to keep my brain active enough to not kind of stagnate for those two weeks so yeah I think they've just especially for the last few years with the pandemic and everything they've become a real kind of source of comfort and just kind of like a healthy release really I think yeah I had a, a similar thing where I kind of fell off a bit in my teens where it was it was something nice to do with with my parents actually um i used to used to play bomb jack with my mum on our atari st and my my dad and i didn't really have tons of stuff in common but what he did like to do was we'd play um panzer general (laughs) against each other on our pc (laughs) which i i mean i was playing that against him when i was like i don't know seven eight or something like it I'm not entirely sure if I was any good at that, but it, it gave him the opportunity to have somebody to play against and, and, and things like worms. When I was about 13, I then moved to the UK and I took the opportunity then to kind of reinvent myself in that kind of, you know, I'm in a different country. Nobody knows that I'm a quiet loser. So <laughs> I'm going to be the cool Australian guy who rocks up to Scotland with like surfer hair and is really cool. And I wasn't, but... I at least convinced some people that I was. (laughs) (laughs) So I went from having my kind of like small group of three or four friends in Australia to having a kind of wider group of people that were that were quite good friends in in high school. And I I hate to be one of those people, but I did actually quite enjoy high school. (laughs) 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 But yeah, kind of similarly, uh, later in my teens, I then started getting back into it again and remembering 
how good it was, you know, because even when I wasn't playing, I, I still religiously bought like PC Gamer every month and kind of kept track of what was coming out. And even when I wasn't playing the games, I kind of imagined that I was, <laughs> which sometimes felt like enough. But in true replacement chip style, you know, whenever I wanted to play console games, I had, you know, the rich friend who had the console. <laughs> um, Yay! Continuity. Yay. Yay. So, yeah, like every, like, when did I buy my Xbox? Like maybe my mid-20s. So every, like, console release that I played between the ages of about 15 and 25 were on other people's stuff. <laughs> And even when I was a kid, every SNES game or N64 game was at somebody else's house. But, you know, it, it also just gave that kind of sense of community, you know. And, yeah, like I say, it, it became one of those great, like, distraction things again. Probably not the greatest time to get back into it when you're doing a degree, but... <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> I had that issue. <laughs> yeah, that was my bad. <laughs> yeah. I'm revising for my final exams, but no, I I need to complete this dungeon. They'll understand. <laughs> I'll just I'll just write at the bottom of the paper. Yeah, so. Sorry, I was playing Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> They're right back, so was I. <laughs> Anything you wanted to add, Andy? So unlike Becky and Foxy, video games have basically always been in my life since I was like old enough to play them. We've mentioned 2020 a couple of times with the pandemic. I feel like that. That was a good example of how video games have benefited me. Like they benefited everyone, really, because how you saw how big Animal Crossing got because it's kept people sane for the first days of the lockdown. But without, I feel like without video games there to give me something to engage my brain with, I would have just been like passively watching things on Netflix or something and just kind of vegetating for like six months i just don't feel like it would have been good for me mentally just be like locked up doing nothing but right before the pandemic i'd started writing about video games for the first time like on the for the digital fix just as i started writing the pandemic started so that was nice timing but it meant that i got lots of pretty good video game codes throughout the lockdown so i had lots of games to play but i also had things that I had something to engage myself with i got to think about games like on an intellectual level and express myself creatively it was giving me a lot of like avenues to do things to keep me sane while i wasn't at work and it, i mean all that stuff's kind of like helped give me the tools that i would need to eventually do this podcast and the fact that we're all locked up gave us all the opportunity to get together to play some video games together to keep ourselves sane. So I never, I never used to like playing games online with people until I kind of had to, <laughs> to <laughs> communicate with people. It's just so many things that when I've needed them, the video games, video games have been there. This is going to be a recurring thing when I talk about all my other games and the roundtable bit, but every time I've needed something, video games have been there to like hold me up. Like If I've been having a rough time, I've had something to lose myself in or make myself engage with something so I'm not just going to rot away sitting doing nothing. It's it's always been a real, like a, a backbone almost sometimes when, I've, when I haven't felt like I could stand up on my own. It's, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm very glad I never dropped out of video games because I've I've dropped out a lot of stuff in the past, like a lot of interests I just give up on. But video games has been the one thing that I've always liked doing and I think I've always needed. I think you've all said that basically encapsulated some really beautiful sentiments about gaming. So there's an awful lot of negativity around games. I think that stigma is lessening, but historically, I think mm. there has been a lot of negativity around gaming. It gets blamed on a lot of the problems with the youths. Mm. <laughs> I think in yeah, particular. It does. Yeah. 
even though those problems existed without video games but yeah yeah shocking really i i, I remember the days of, of of jack thompson yeah i was i was just thinking about him yeah there's They've always been a scapegoat since they've existed, basically. Yeah, like, they're even... I mean, even now, it will be rolled out somewhere on Twitter, so people will say that's the reason for, you know, the like, a lot of the gun violence in the US, for instance. And you'll be like, yeah, but the rest of the world also has video games, and it doesn't happen in the rest of the world. But anyway... <laughs> it's almost like it's the guns. <laughs> <laughs> However, University of Oxford did some research in 2020. There's then been a mental health... Like, the, char- the mentalhealth.org like the main like charity uh, did some more research in 2020 as well so they've actually started looking at this as something worth looking into did you for instance know that around 86 percent of the uk adult population played a video game in the year 2021 to 22 86 percent of the entire uk adult population <laughs> yeah. was really surprising to me that was that yeah. seems really high yeah but I, it's because when we think video games we think like console pc i was gonna say mm. but it's mobile games and stuff as well isn't it mm. yeah which is good that they included that that surprised me a few years ago when i i read it wasn't that specific stat, but when they talked about much higher levels of women playing games than than guys, and it was partially down to factoring into that. In the year that this particular study was done, half of the frequent adult players were women. Women um, play games! So. Women play games, oh my god! It's the bright colours. Huge if true. Lies! Oh my god, it's the women's! And more than half of the players were over 30 as well so it is our time millennials <laughs> we <laughs> we rise we can't afford houses but david will play games exactly <laughs> and they they came to like a whole bunch of con- both of these studies kind of came to some of the sim- similar conclusions and so i just wanted to sort of list some of this stuff out to see if there's anything else that perhaps we'd not even consider as being things that were good for our mental health or emotional well-being we've already mentioned between us social connections you know whether it's bonding with friends and family or that sense of belonging to a community look at me with final fantasy (laughs) (laughs) there's that whole shared interest as well there um they found that people sort of cited that sort of sense of control and autonomy because you know you might have control over that in-game environment over your character over character choices things like that huge one for me or at least once upon a time as a trophy hunter (laughs) like achievements and you know mastery of a game so you know for me i get or used to certainly i'm saying this used to a lot because i i've noticed on pc and switch like there isn't like achievements in the same way or as frequently (laughs) is it weaning you off (laughs) yeah there's a lot of satisfaction from in-game achievements can be pride from mastering particularly challenging parts of a game I know that when I've beaten some big ass bosses after like hours of trying, it's like the most triumphant thing in the world. Not necessarily specifically for me, because I just don't think it's how I play games. But like, I know when I look at my son and with Minecraft, that's sort of expressing creativity in a game. Mm. And then just some other things they found is video games do actually lead to healthy brain stimulation. When they've done studies that have, you know, looked at a person's brain whilst they're playing games, they can deeply stimulate different areas of the brain that you might not be using so you know i think andy you've already kind of mentioned like it can feel you means like you might not feel like you're you know just letting your brain go to rot kind of thing but like literally it's actually doing that (laughs) 
combating loneliness i did mention the social side of things and this is more looking was more looking at streaming because uh, of course in the pandemic twitch became huge because we all had to stay at home so it's not just about like community specific to games but people are finding communities through just hanging out watching people play games and you know there's even been some examples of learning ways to overcome an in-game challenge it can make you better equipped like from a problem solving perspective with you know real life obstacles which i thought was really cool as just some of the things that scientists have found <laughs> oh those pesky scientists <laughs> as somebody whose whose degree was in animal behavior i did not want to delve into it myself partly because i was terrible at my degree um, <laughs> but, uh, and you know I, I actually got to use the whole animal behavior thing plenty because i worked in retail for years <laughs> zing <laughs> So I think it's fair to say that not just on an individual level, anyone who plays games, but it has literally, literally been proven to be better, a good thing for mental well-being. And I do think as well, I think that games have been at the forefront of representing mental health in like thoughtful and less stigmatizing ways than other media. So my examples of this would be, there was a, a list I found where mental illness has been portrayed in games and you read it and you realize that people have been digging into that source in a completely different way to what you might see in a film or a TV show. And I think some of that is those things are a lot shorter than a lot of games, like games can take their time. So like a game I have, but I've not yet played is um, Hellblade Senua's Journey. Sam, yeah. Mm. The main character there struggles with psychosis. Yeah, I've played half of it. It's really good. And it's very immersive. It kind of makes you stop questioning the environment around you. It's very cleverly done. And then there's Psychonauts, which is the boy who projects himself into other people's mental worlds and helps them fight their demons. And I certainly know that Celeste is definitely going to be coming up this episode, but that's, of course, the quest of a girl with anxiety to climb a mountain. And... There's so many examples that I found of of mental illness in games as well. And that goes from AAA right down to indie. And I think that's really beautiful. And it's not to suggest I know that films and TV and stuff and books and things, they all do it as well. But I don't know. I don't know if it's just my embeddedness in video games. I think the actual, like, the way in which a person interacts with video games make them, like, the prime format for exploring that kind of thing because especially with you know you used Hellblade as an example you are playing as a character with psychosis or Red Dead Redemption 2 you're playing with a character who I mean he's definitely depressed and has a lot of post-traumatic stress stuff happening so you but you're you're there you are playing as that person so I think it it breaks down those barriers that I think are there with in films and books you know you're always a viewer or a voyeur in that situation whereas as playing a game you're controlling that character you become their kind of puppet master almost in a really sinister way of putting it i can't think of a better one right now but i i think it it forces you to close that gap between you and a character experiencing mental health issues yeah yeah and i'm sure we're going to touch on some of those as well mm -hmm. i think it's like what what andy was saying you know it's it, rather than just kind of passively letting the a story wash over you 
you're just much more engaged in it and it's it's happening to you as opposed to mm. just happening in the room with you yeah video games are a, a great vehicle for empathy mm. putting you in yeah. someone else's shoes if the game's good it will immerse you in their situation so you will feel what they're feeling like the last of us 2 did an absolute number on me because of that <laughs> it's, it's that kind of thing yeah like stop making me feel things <laughs> I just want to shoot zombies in the face. <laughs> but now I'm sad. And now I'm crying. <laughs> yeah, The Last of Us was obviously the infamous on my first, like, third stream, but, like, my first, like, 24-hour stream, where within the first five minutes I was crying because I didn't know how it even started. <laughs> and it was like, oh, well, this is a good start to a 24-hour stream. I'm crying already. <laughs> But but yeah, no, I, I think in the spirit of that we're starting to talk about like actual games. Let's let's get to that round table. Tell me about what makes you sad and happy. What <laughs> makes you feel things. <laughs> Becky, I think we'll go in a round and Becky will start with you. Okay, cool. So I brought up Skyrim in the opening bit of it. Anyone who listens to this podcast knows how much I love Skyrim, so I won't go into those details, but I re it sort of it helped me fall back in love with video games again and I started playing it on my brother's battered 360 that I inherited from him because he bought some he bought a new one and I bought Skyrim because everyone was talking about Skyrim and I was like oh, I'm sure I'll be fine and then like 150 hours later <laughs> I've now played it in several different formats probably all about 150 hours but Back then, it was in my third year of uni, and I was coming up to the end of my degree, and I did not know what was coming next. I was very stressed about that. And then when I finally decided that I was going to do a master's, I had to get a certain grade. So then I become a, became obsessed with, you know, was I going to hit that grade and be able to do my master's? Because if not, then I have no idea what I'm doing with my life. And as an English literature graduate, there's not much you can do with your life unless you're rich or live in London. So... It was it was a real kind of scary time and I think it was when I first started really acknowledging that anxiety and depression was something I was dealing with. Um, so I was going to counselling as well at that point. But Skyrim came out and I'm a big fantasy nerd, I always have been. And just the the sheer joy of immersing myself in a fantasy world where the world building is just second to none. Like there were so many intricate little details that I loved finding. I would just walk across the map for hours on end, which is something that I have in common with Red Dead Redemption 2. I know that map like the back of my hand because I would just ride around it and just, you know, switch off from the world. It didn't matter if I wasn't fighting things or shooting things, you know, I could just travel without having to travel. So whilst the timing was ill-advised because I was definitely playing Skyrim till 3am before one of my last exams it really helped kind of ground me again in the world you know everything felt like it was spinning out of control and I didn't know what was coming next but I could sit down in front of my shitty little tv with my battered xbox and play my little rogue thief dark elf whilst you know ignoring the rest of the world and I think that's it kind of set up a pattern for me in terms of the games specifically that I've picked today in that they are very much about you know me finding that kind of control or recentering myself again because I am one of those people who has control issues we've talked about this on the podcast before and it will come up but I think video games for me have been just that kind of 
almost like mindful way of bringing me back into the world whilst also ignoring it enough for me to process all these feelings to calm myself down and kind of explore other worlds in a way that you know books don't necessarily allow me to do there's not that interactive element like we talked about and as soon as I hear the Skyrim music or you know I hear the memes like you know I took an arrow to the knee etc I'm just right back there and it's like comfort food it's just it just makes me feel better amazing Andy but my first uh, pick is going to be Discworld for the PlayStation 1 it was on other things but i played it on the playstation one like i was 13 i think it was and i didn't really notice it much at the time but looking back i was kind of folding in on myself i was like cutting myself off from a lot of things and pretty much exclusively playing video games i mean that was pretty easy to do because i had a playstation and that was an awesome console but it was becoming a bit of a problem that i was just i was losing interest in doing anything but play video games i, I wouldn't call it a result of like a fixation or anything like that it was more like i was um like the best way to put it would describe it as like a corrosive apathy it was like <laughs> spreading across everything in my like my world i was just losing interest in everything becoming very insular i just wasn't i was no longer capable of extending myself into any other interests i wasn't listening to any music i didn't go and see movies i didn't care about reading anymore it had a knock-on effect of like ruining social options as well because listening to music leads you to go to gigs and movies uh, trips to the cinema with your friends books you can go to the library or a bookshop or maybe read a book on the bus or a train and you know like these things also open you up to conversations with people you've got things you can engage other people with when you talk to them you're not just stuck on one single interest that, that other person might not like so i didn't really have the language to describe what was going on with me but it's pretty obvious i was like, just really depressed at the time and i think i think it was christmas like i usually got a lot of video games for my birthday and christmas like every year so i think it was christmas when i got Discworld on the playstation one a point and click adventure i've always loved point and click adventures used to play them on my friend's amiga because i couldn't afford a home computer so this was like a big deal for me getting to play a, point, a new point and click adventure and the thing is, like, up front, I don't think it's a great graphic adventure. Like, I love it, but if I'm honest, it's not a very well-designed game. Like, I've tried playing it again. The puzzles are fucking obtuse, <laughs> like, to the point of just the frustration. Like, it's like, how the hell am I supposed to come up with that idea? The UI choices are sometimes baffling. Like, Broken Sword, I think, is pound for pound the better point-and-click game that was out on the PlayStation 1 at the time. But there was something about Discworld that really sucked me in. That is the atmosphere and, like, just all these little cobbled streets and like just a completely different experience to anything else in games i found myself really immersed and engaged in the world that terry pratchett had created and this it had like a knock-on effect where i had this spark of curiosity about i wanted to know more about this world and the only way i could do that is by picking up some books so i used some of the money i had received from less imaginative relatives at christmas I just bought a stack of Discworld books and I just went through all of them and suddenly I was reading again. It was mostly just Discworld books to begin with, but, you know, it, I moved on to other books and then I started just coming out of my shell a bit more and listening to music again, going to see movies, just things were just kind of falling back into place. I've started to become just a more complete person. So I feel like the moral of this story is that it's really good to have a healthy range of interests. <laughs> like you're a better more well-rounded person for it it stops any of your interests like defining you as a person because I, I, something you see happens with fandoms all the time 
people, they have one thing that they like and they shape their entire personality around it. So anything that happens to that thing becomes an attack on them and they get really weird and defensive and it usually results in you being a fucking asshole. So just just read a book, listen to an album, <laughs> go see a player, just do something other than play on your PlayStation. Do something else as well, please. It will do you the world of good. I love the idea of you now going on to Twitter to these people in the fandoms and just being like, read a book. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Pick up Any a book. other book. <laughs> it's like the intellectual version of Touched Grass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that it was Discworld that got you back as well. It's such a human series. Like I know the book series especially, you know, the themes and stuff that those books explore. I really love that it was Discworld that got you back. Yeah. Terry Pratchett was a wonderful man. He just like he yeah. got yeah. he just got it. The, the human experience in such a kind and empathetic way. Yeah. So that doesn't really come across in the game, but it's something <laughs> the game led me to discover about Yes, them. yeah, which is the important thing. Yeah. And Foxy, what is your first? My fir- This is becoming a theme, but my first is, again, because of you guys, or more specifically because of because of uh, Sasha. It's uh, Celeste. And the, the reason that... Uh, I... Sorry, I was, I, I was, I, I was <laughs> muted there because I was having a drink. <laughs> but I did just cheer. <laughs> well. I, just, I needed you to know that. Love to be an influencer, even if it's to like two people in the entire world. <laughs> well, it was it was g- genuinely. I um. I guess it must have been during the pandemic, and you were streaming it on Twitch, and I remember looking at it and just I was really enjoying just even watching you play it, and I, I'd I'd fallen out of love with 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 platformers in general, like it's. It had been years since I'd looked at a at a proper side-scrolling thing and thought, "Oh yeah, I'll I'll have some of that." And I certainly didn't expect, you know, that like a proper kind of <laughs> annoying precision type one would be the one to do it. <laughs> I think I don't know. I just as soon as I got, I think it was I think it was on Game Pass, um, and I saw it, and I was like, "Right, straight away, I'm getting that. I'm diving into it." And it's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> first of all but like like you were saying before there's something in that like that there's, there's something to be said for something that's just challenging you and like a lot of games aren't a challenge and a lot of games are challenging and i think more and more these days you you expect that if you start playing a game that you will complete it which was not always the case especially back in like you know the, the mid 90s and late 90s when you bought a game and thought gee i wonder if i'll ever finish this <laughs> but it's it's not often where like the game being challenging is like narratively relevant. You know, the the whole idea of like, you know, trying to overcome these these mental health issues and, and climbing the mountain, like that stuff is is hard and the game kind of reflects that. But it doesn't make it frustrating. It makes it one of those kind of, yes, I can do this, I'm gonna do this. I'm I'm doing it in small steps, but I can get there. And that would have been enough, I think. But as I got further in, I, I found the the actual story kind of like more more affecting than I thought it would be. But I thought it would it would stay that kind of relatively cheesy level of you know day at a time, guys. But then there's a bit where Madeline, the main character, is talking to. I'm not sure if they're referred to it in the game, but Badeline, the kind of bad side <laughs> version of Madeline. I'm not sure if it was the internet who came up with that name or if it's actually referred to in the game. But there's a bit where she's like, you know, I'm. I'm accepting that you're you're the part of me that I need to be free of and I'm like letting you go, setting you free. And I thought, well that's that seems a bit simplistic. Like, but okay, fine. But then Badeline turns around and is just like, 
uh, no, uh, like fuck you are, and kicks you like all the way back down the mountain again. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh god, oh god, okay. And it was it was refreshing. I think another game would have ended with you, you know, like defeating your mirror image self and like smashing it to pieces and saying like I'm all better now, or something like turning the the bad mirror image from this like pulsing purple anxiety ridden thing into a kind of serene golden glowing good version that becomes like a positive presence in your life and but i think those would be kind of lesser games instead you get this kind of this acceptance that you know, this bad side as it were is a part of you and you have to learn to live with it and that maybe that's okay yes yeah celestas is absolutely if you if i wasn't so 100 percent certain you were going to mention it <laughs> it would have been on my list for sure so it's funny you mentioned about badeline that is that is indeed her like fandom name <laughs> the character is part of you or part of me whichever way you want to refer to it and i think there's a real beauty in that it's not as simple i defeat the bad parts it's mm. yeah that sort of story of acceptance and trying to overcome that in a different way, in a gentler way, weirdly, when it's, you know, the most vicious platformer <laughs> of the last 10 years. Oh, God, yeah. But I, I, it's funny I, that I, you mentioned watching me and being like, oh, I saw this and I really liked it. I wanted to play it. It's been really good for my mental health. And I believe when Becky watched me doing it, a part I, of her was dying inside. I, I nearly broke. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was, I was going to mention the, the, the ways in which this game would have a poor effect on people's mental health. Thinking specifically of you. I, I had to leave the stream. I couldn't do it. <laughs> I was like, Sasha, I love you, but I'm dying. <laughs> Yeah, I like. It's a shame because it has put me off slightly wanting to play it, but I I think I will get to it one day just to to experience that story. But yeah, I th- I think I'm still too busy reliving Sasha's like ninety fifth attempt at one particular <laughs> jump, <laughs> <laughs> while insisting she was speed running the whole fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, that was a delusion <clears throat> for a while, wasn't it? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, God. You know, you know what? That was probably the most fun I'd had on the stream. <laughs> well, watching me slowly unravel. <laughs> oh, that and and watching Sasha, like you know, like die ninety times trying to get past one screen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> during 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 when I was like uh, looking up bits and pieces on on this, something quite interesting came up, which is the fact that when when Badlin is chasing you during those kind of extended chase sequences through the hotel. She follows the same path that you've taken, which I mean that that that's been a, a kind of a mechanic in some games for for years. Like it's one of my one of my favorite games on the Atari, which is called Flood, where you're like constantly stalked by the ghost of your dead aunt for some reason. <laughs> and sure. but she mo- but she moves like slightly faster than you. So as the, the level goes on, she gets closer and closer. But in this it, just by virtue of the story, it turns into this kind of metaphor about like always when, when you're in that kind of mental space, you're always like looking back and you're always like thinking about what you've already done. And I'm certainly guilty of that. Where like, you know, I, I overthink the stuff that I've just done or that I did yesterday or the week before. And I thought that was really quite clever. It is. It is. I'm so glad you got to go like a little bit in depth on that so that I don't <laughs> have to save it before myself. 
so my first game <laughs> uh no i only giggled there slightly so i i when i started this was like oh i very easily have like three maybe four games and then that became like seven games really quickly one of them being celeste so though so you know i could strike that one off the list i ummed and odd over what i what i would want to talk about in terms of what has really been super beneficial for my mental health and then i realized i have at least two cop-outs right because i could have mentioned life is strange but do you know what if you want to hear how that impacted my mental health go listen to the life is strange episode <laughs> ha, bye gotcha. um, no stay please <laughs> <laughs> and then um i also like the obvious one the most obvious one anyone who knows me at this point and even people who don't know me but you know have heard me on this podcast or on twitter or whatever will know that the most obvious choice in theory would be final fantasy 14 no yeah but oh you shock me <laughs> But I realise again, I've also spent like a, so much time <laughs> on this podcast talking about that one and about the various ways in which that has helped, you know, the brainworms and continues to do so. I believe at last count, I've clocked over the 4,000 hour mark now. Jesus Time Christ. spent on that game. <laughs> at what point does it become a problem? She says, shaking. No. <laughs> No, I'll, I'm all good. And instead, I decided, like, say, to cop out of that one as well, because we have at least two episodes <laughs> dedicated <laughs> to that game. <laughs> so, haha, fuck you all. I managed to beat the beat my own task. It's really to me. Well done. So, well so done. No. Beating the arbitrary measure that you yourself set. <laughs> yes, thank you. They're the best kind. <laughs> They're the best kind to menace when I menace myself. <laughs> um. <laughs> Not on there, please. No, the the game I actually did decide to go with as my first pick was one that very much does have that sort of mental health slant just within the game. And that is Child of Light. It is an RPG game. It's 2D, has some sort of kind of platformy elements to it. All of the combat is turn-based, but you play as Aurora. Uh, She's a princess who has fallen into a sort of a deep sleep after the death of her mother and the remarriage of her father the king and the whole game is like an allegory for depression and grief and you know she in this deep sleep she arrives in like a dreamlike fairy tale world and she has to like learn and love and grow she quite literally battles grief it has a real storybook style and mood and tone. There's like an atmosphere to it that is just... At the time I first played this, and I've played this a couple of times now, because it's a relatively short game and we know that I love those. The turn-based tactics, uh, turn-based combat, we also know that I'm like super here for that. Although I say it's turn-based combat, it is like real-time turn-based combat. Yeah. So there's like the little bars at the bottom that will show when your turn is coming up and when the thing you're battling is coming up as well. So you kind of have to like really think quite logically about like what attacks you're going to use and have your companions use that's going to defeat the things you're battling at the same time. It came to me at a time, around the similar time when I first played Life is Strange, to be fair. You know, I was newly single mum and I was sort of rediscovering my love for games 
and I very much gravitated towards these like deep emotional <laughs> human <laughs> experiences even within the video game sort of sphere I think another one of those was oh god I forgot the name of it but the last guardian there we go the last guardian was another example of that these are all games I played around the same time if it gives you any idea of where I was mentally well <laughs> <laughs> Sasha but there's something so cathartic about playing games that just really leaned into that grief and that emotion and like having an outlet to let out the emotions that you know I was probably bottling up a lot if nothing else for the sake of my son and things and like he'd go to bed and I'd play some of these games and you know just cry and have a wonderful time and yeah that was this one i think there's a really the animation in it is beautiful it's very watercolor style there's like that real juxtaposition of the bright colors of the princess with her long red hair and the her party and then there's like a much more gray and muted tone to the world before you start you know defeating the various levels of grief and I've actually played it with my son since like we started it and he loved it I think whilst it conveys some adult themes like some quite deep meaning themes I think it can be enjoyed and appreciated by basically anyone and I think it has a really beautiful message as well and how to cope with like depression and grief and yeah it's just one of those games that I think is I don't use underrated very often because I often think it's been used in the same count as just like underplayed or underwatched or whatever but actually it got like a lot of quite medium reviews at the time and I genuinely do think it's underrated and it could be you know some of that is just me being a bit blind too that it's probably quite an average game and I don't I'm not saying it's not but there's just something about it that like it becomes a, a game I return to frequently when I need that when I need that vibe you know it does have that that vibe I really liked it it has a very kind of floaty serene feeling to it just like it just in the movement of how you like navigate around the world it's just it's just relaxing actually it is in spite of how stressful the combat can be sometimes and oh god yeah it is stressful yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's lovely what you want to do is play this game with with a 10 year old who's in charge and who is panicking (laughs) and you're like I don't know just press anything (laughs) It's such a different play style, right? To like turn based generally is such a different play style, but especially when it's like real time turn based. Mm. Like where you don't have the time to sit and think about, hmm, what's the best spell here or what's the best attack? It's like, no, you need to decide right now or you're losing your chance. Like, <laughs> no, it was great. So back to top of the order. So I'm going to do a you and do a couple of cheats because there are games that we've spoken about before. But The Sims and Stardew Valley have been incredibly good for my mental health and need to obsessively control every aspect of my life. Stardew Valley, we have an episode. Foxy mentioned it up the top. It's influenced him into, you know, sticking another 150 hours. So go listen to that. And The Sims also, I've mentioned all the time that it's, it's a bit of a red flag for me. If I'm playing The Sims, I'm probably anxious to the point where I re-downloaded it because I had an urge to play it again recently. And my partner was like, oh God, do I need to be worried? Do I need to buy chocolate? Are you okay? (laughs) So, you know, it's become a shorthand. But the next game actually I'm going to pick is one from quite a way back. 
it is the the PS1 version of Space Invaders, which is a bit of an Ooh. unusual pick, I'm aware. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like to throw these curveballs in every now and again. But this game kind of floated back up to the top of my memory while we were talking about the ideas for this episode. And one of the reasons why I picked it in terms of how important it's been for me in terms of mental health is because it was one of the only times during a certain period of my life where my mum and I actually stopped fighting and worked together so you could play it two-player. And basically it was all divided into the planets so the space invaders were basically making their way through the solar system and you could work together to shoot the invaders. And it was all, you had power-ups and things. It was like space invaders on crack, basically. I don't remember how good it was. I just remember that it was instrumental in just keeping that link between me and my mum because we we have a very fractious relationship at times. It's a lot better than it used to be, but she suffered quite badly with her mental health while I was growing up. So from about the age of 10 onwards, I was really doing a lot of support for her and caring for her in ways that I didn't have language for at the time and didn't really understand what I was doing or you know how that was affecting me. And the Space Invaders game was something we both got into together. She used to love all the old arcade games. Uh, when she was in California, she spent so many time, so much time playing Pac-Man that they actually had to drag her out of the arcade. <laughs> so I think a lot of my video game love comes from from her without her realizing it. But yeah, so she was she was really struggling with depression. She didn't have the language for it either. It went undiagnosed for a long time which had far-reaching consequences for the whole family, really. And just to be clear, she is a lot better now. And like I said, our relationship is much better than it was. But this Space Invaders game was really cheesy, and it was probably a bit shitty. And I watched some of the old gameplay footage, and it's murky as hell. I remember it being really colourful, and apparently that was not the case. But we used to spend hours, like, not necessarily talking but just fighting our way through these levels and you know we'd we'd be laughing and we'd be chatting about tactics and you know okay I'll take this side you take that power up and uh, when I look back on that time of my life there's there's not a lot of happy stuff there particularly when it comes to that relationship but when we were talking about this episode I was like oh that was actually that was actually really instrumental in keeping that link there. You know, however fractious it got, however much we yelled at each other or didn't speak to each other in the years, I think just that silly little bonding over a Space Invaders game was probably more foundational than I thought it was. So, yeah, it's not my mental health related, but I think, you know, the, you were talking about the social interaction of games and I know we spoke a lot about online gaming and I'm going to speak about that again soon but I think the actual couch co-op stuff particularly from older games when we didn't have the online component I think was was something that you know we should celebrate and I, I still really love couch co-op stuff um, hmm. and I think you know this is probably why and it really forced me to think about it going back to that so 
So yeah, so Space Invaders PS1. Can't recommend it. It's probably not a game I'll ever play again, but I think it's been unknowingly something that has kept me in touch with my mum relationship-wise in a way I wasn't aware of. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Thanks. Andy, what's your middle pick? So this one is about bonding with my daughter. Like Foxy mentioned earlier how he bonded with his dad over video games. Uh, Bash, you've discussed many times in the past how you and your son bond over video games, especially Nintendo games. This is like what happened to me with this game, and it's It Takes Two. So it's another couch co-op game. Yes, I love It Takes Two. So I'd moved to Ashby to live with Caroline in August 2021. And it was sort of a trial thing to see how things would work out. But I think we both knew even before we'd like crossed the border out of Barrow that neither of us had any intention of being apart again. Caroline does joke that she uh, she knew she was kidnapping me at the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'd been in Ashby for like a few months at this point. And we'd settled in nicely, really nicely, since Caroline was pregnant by this point. <laughs> so it was like nearly Christmas and I wanted something to play with Iris, our daughter, our eldest. And there weren't a lot of gaming experiences we could have together where we were on the same page. Like Untitled Goose Game, which is a game I love in single player mode, became a soul-destroying exercise in (laughs) co-op with Iris. Darn. (laughs) The best way to describe it is like trying to shepherd a fucking tornado. (laughs) Yeah, that's accurate. My 10-year-old does the same if we play that game together. It's like, no. She lived the goose spirit far better than yeah. I did. Like, she was causing problems on purpose, whereas I wanted to have some structure and follow the mission list, and she just saw this big sandbox that she could terrorise. <laughs> she's going to make an incredible GTA Online player at some point. She's just going to have just all these options open to her, and she's just going to destroy everything. So that didn't click with me, because I'm very objective-oriented, and I can't stand Human Fall Flat, which is a game she loves. That's just, I just, I'm not a big fan of the kind of wobbly chaos simulators as i call them (laughs) i do quite enjoy gang beasts which is kind of in the same vein but it's more competitive you can just beat the shit out of each other but she's very competitive to the point where it gets kind of stressful trying to (laughs) rein her in and also like she always whooped my ass at that game so again another Uh, that's the real issue (laughs) and conversely mario kart was a tough sell because i always whooped her ass at that so (laughs) there's some, some things we just couldn't quite find anything that we could connect with and then it takes two came along and that's i feel like that's exactly what we needed it's like a constantly creative game in the way it's introducing and implementing new gameplay mechanics so it never gets dull which means she never finds her mind drifting for too long to the point where she just starts to think how can she fuck with the game and break it <laughs> but it had just enough room for her to troll me in short bursts like think oh i can do this to him boom shoot me with like a nail gun or something yeah, but it had and like it had a really good objective oriented story really emotionally engaging story and it kept us both invested which is also hard to do because we exist at very different points in life but the game's story had something for both of us to latch onto. really colorful and imaginative both in presentation and how it, the gameplay works i always think it feels like the video game equivalent of the peak era of pixar it's a wonderful game if you haven't played it you should there are only like a handful of narrative games that have really gripped her she usually likes her like chaos simulators basically so the the game the narrative style games that she's been really into are journey stray beacon pines and it takes two 
I, I love storytelling and good game design. She loves cute stuff and absolute chaos. And this game somehow <laughs> brought all of that together into a cohesive whole. So we had we could appreciate each other's interests as well as our own. I love that game. And even if we never find another game like it, I really couldn't be more grateful for the time I had with her in those early days of us becoming a family. It was I feel like it was a really key part of me and her bonding. She she always she was always she was fond of me because I was funny and I could make her laugh. But I feel like this was something that we really clicked together and it showed that we do have shared interests and that yeah she could she could rely on me to be someone cool to be around <laughs> so I, I really appreciated that game coming along when it happened because the family was on the verge of getting a lot bigger so, <laughs> so it, i felt it felt especially important that we bonded now before a new family member joined yeah. so like i didn't want her to feel left out of the family like i wanted her to feel like she was she was my kid as well. There's a whole lot of other things that go into that, but It Takes Two is the video game that definitely it contributed to us connecting. Oh, these are all such beautiful stories. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just so nice. I just, I love, I love, I love this for us. <laughs> and I think I nearly picked brain training on the Nintendo DS. <laughs> to think. I liked Sudoku. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know... That would be peak keeping the brain rot away, though. I bet. Yeah, yeah it did. It did, but, you know. It depends how good you were at the Sudoku. It's not particularly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was terrible for a long time. But... Sudoku is one of those where it's really, really difficult until it clicks one day. Yeah. And then, like, you feel like a genius. I did I did realise that I only like that kind of Sudoku. I don't like any other kind of Sudoku. <laughs> I just liked it on the Nintendo DS because it did half the work for me. <laughs> it's like, no you didn't you did that wrong instead of doing the whole thing and thinking shit i fucked up there later on like the ds version just said no nah, you did that wrong do something else but, okay thank you that that seems like the opposite of good for your mental health yeah well, there was a lot of other stuff that you had to do but, you know, <laughs> this is why i didn't pick brain training. <laughs> foxy what is your your middle pick my middle pick is a is an odd one in that the time that it was helping me was when I wasn't actually playing it. Amazing. Go on. Yeah. So, I'm intrigued. I'm loving curveballs, guys. <laughs> so this pick is Bioshock. Ooh. Oh, nice. Now, the thing is, is that there's nothing inherent about this game that helped. It's it's more the the story around it. So you'll you'll forgive me, but I'll I'll keep it brief. When I first met my wife, not too long after we'd started going out, she uh, got hospitalized for quite a long time it was it was a bit stressful oh you know i won't lie but it was one of those situations where i'd i'd get up in the morning and i'd have to walk into town and get a bus to the city and then once i got to the city i'd get another bus out to the hospital and then i'd grab a double espresso from the crappy cafe that was there so that i could walk down to the ward with a big smile on my face and go hey and it was one of those kind of doctor house situations where you know she'd She'd been there for a week and we were like, so what's wrong with her? And they'd be like, uh, nah, don't know. And then after two weeks, she'd be like, well, she's she's losing a lot of weight now. Like, do you know what's wrong with her now? And they're like, uh, not really. And then, you know, a month later, it was like, oh, uh, so about this organ failure. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, it it took a, a long time to kind of, for them to figure out what was going on. And I think it was around about the kind of, three or four week mark in where myself and her parents started kind of considering the idea that she might not ever come out but 
when I'd go home in the evening, I um, sometimes by the time I got back to St Andrews where I stayed, I couldn't really face the, the walk back to my actual flat. So I would go to my friend's flat who lived much closer to the bus station. And if I was feeling up to it, we'd play, play a little bit of tech and tag tournament just to kind of get some frustrations out. Uh, but most of the time I was just kind of, I'm sure some of you have spent some time in hospitals and you know that kind of warm, I've been in a hospital all day thing that just drains all of the energy out of you. Yeah. yeah. So I I was a massive Bioshock fan already by this point and I'd completed it loads of times, but it was his first time playing it and I got to his flat and he said, he, he's one of these achievement people. He has to get the achievements and he doesn't want to have to go back and get them again. So he said, can you just watch me play? <laughs> and <laughs> as I work my way through the game, if I'm about to like leave an area and I haven't got a thing and I need the thing, <laughs> then, you, then you tell me. <laughs> so I spent most of my time watching it sideways on the couch and he just, you know, amble about and occasionally I'd be like, oh, there's, a, there's an audio diary you've missed. It's in that bit over there. Or, oh, hey, by the way, you've got to go behind the bar and flick the switch and that's how you get downstairs. And I didn't really think until quite a long time after why that was really helpful. And in fact, I didn't really think about it much until this, this episode. But I think, I think the reason I did find it helpful was that I, it was an opportunity at least once a day in the evening for me to be the guy who had the answers. And it was really quite hard for kind of weeks on end to not have any answers um, or even good advice or, you know, or, you know, anything other than just box set DVDs to bring in to play on the MacBook. And yeah, I think, it, I think, I think that was it. It was... It was just the opportunity to, to be somewhere with somebody at the, at the time and to feel like you were being actively helpful about something and, and knew what you were doing and, and, and what was going to happen. And I just felt that that was really, really comforting. But yes, we, we went into the, the hospital in April and I think we came out in July. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. And then there was a lot of kind of care and stuff after that while she recovered. And, but yeah, I, I do kind of fondly think back on on those bits now where you know i just i couldn't face going back to the flat and so i just you know i watched somebody playing bioshock at 90 degrees <laughs> <laughs> shouting advice from the sofa until i kind of drifted off and quite nice i don't i don't know if it was like a just a i'm doing a nice thing or if it was like a selfish thing but you know when i drifted off he would just stop playing at that point Aww. i have a i have a sneaking suspicion that was more just like well i'm not missing these achievements so. <laughs> yeah well let's just assume the best <laughs> <laughs> i love that as a concept of the power of video games even if you're not playing them i think that's where a lot of streaming communities start mm. yeah. and i think the best ones are the ones that are just super supportive in that respect and it's just yeah i'm just here to hang out with this person and watch them play a game i don't need to play it myself that's lovely i'm getting all emotional <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fine it's fine we were you know prepared for that sort of ish <laughs> So my my middle pick, and honestly, it could have been, I, I ummed and odd. So, of course, 2020 was when the world turned upside down. <laughs> and uh, I've spoken before a few times about how I ended up with my partner's switch for approximately seven months by accident, somewhat. 
which is to say I was just meant to be borrowing it very briefly while he moved house and then pandemic hit and he was not able to move house and then even when he did move house I was on shielding so he couldn't see me anyway It's all very convenient, Sasha. <laughs> very convenient, yeah. I mean, who's to say? Were you near this lab in March of 2020? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really did um and ah between two different games from this period in particular. There was like the ongoing Animal Crossing, which much like everybody else, I got dragged into. Uh, dragged makes it sound like it wasn't by choice, but like I very much just got sucked into the world of Animal Crossing, just playing it every single day religiously. It became like a really stable part of a, what felt like a very unstable time. I would go in, I would do that. I didn't even participate in like the social aspects of it, like visiting other people's islands or anything like that. I I just really enjoyed building Belafonte and I dread going back to that island now because it's been so long. They're going to be so salty at <laughs> the islanders. But yeah, it was definitely one of those things where one day I missed my daily check-in or whatever. And then after that, I found it really hard to pick it back up, weirdly. Like I very much, if I'm in momentum of something, I have to keep it up because one one day out and then my brain will go, huh, well, I guess I'm done with that now. But actually what I ended up really wanting to talk about was this was when I found Night in the Woods as my partner also had that on his Switch. And I just started it on a bit of a whim. I knew exactly nothing about it other than the game icon looked pretty cool. And it has since become probably one of the most important games to me that I played in terms of like an experience. It's, you know, I've talked several times before about May, the character of May, who has dropped out of college and is returning to her hometown, like with a real big feeling of loss of place in the world, you know, wandering through life without purpose. And I don't know, I think all of those themes just hit me really hard. People close to me will also know it was a time when I had been struggling with my job for some time anyway. Not like the literal job, like my job title, that hasn't changed (laughs) since I've moved, but I was struggling with my workplace. And when the pandemic happened, I don't know, that only felt worse somehow. And yeah, I was definitely really struggling with my own sort of place in things and it's like that weird thing where you're controlling a character who can't really be controlled (laughs) and as the story progresses and you know things get weirder and you you sort of you learn just how to take a quote from thegamer.com because I thought this was like the way the best way of describing this game you learn just how deep May's dissociation goes and that's definitely something that I have struggled with occasionally when I'm in like a bit of more when my mood is lower I dissociate a lot more you know it's it goes a little bit beyond just daydreaming so it's one of those like it's it's quite a complicated story I guess and I think you have to really be Mm. feeling the vibe but I think that complication like is a really good reflection of you know if you've ever been around a person who's dealing with depression and anxiety themselves and how complicated that can be and that sort of idea of needing help but not reaching out like I think we all experience that at some points in our lives Mm. and that game just encapsulates all of that and I think it's really clever in how it does it. And I imagine there's a lot of people who won't necessarily read that deeply into it. And that's fine too. It's a heckin' stunning game. I love the music. She said Celeste as well. Epic soundtrack. But yeah, uh, Night in the Woods is very much that same thing. 
and I don't know I just I found I do find that when you play these kinds of games that sort of mirror to yourself I think Andy you said it earlier and it's just like games find you when you need them quite often yeah yeah I think if you've played games a lot and especially have used them as a way to moderate your own mood I guess like some sort of emotional regulation I think you get quite an innate sense for what's going to be good for you and when because I always say this like games so many of my favorite games they found me at a time when I needed them and then you take a step back for a second and go "Uh, that's probably not as much chance as I like to elude because I think whether consciously or not you seek the kind of games you need when you need them yeah same with any media right like tv books whatever but i think you know as we've said quite a few times now there is something about games that are so immersive that for me they tend to feel a lot more personal i find i can get quite lost in a character and in a story and this was one of those where i just got quite lost in a story again it's another one of those it's quite a short game so yeah really a really meaningful game for me Hmm. quick pause for group hooks <laughs> <laughs> yeah that felt like the emotional yeah. round it really did didn't it <laughs> like like I, I don't know if it was obvious i was choking up a bit there <laughs> oh sasha you okay yeah no we know that i'm an emotional wreck at any of the times <laughs> so well you're absolutely right about about that game my most distinct memory of that game was two occasions where the first one was me going Haha, this person re- reminds me of me and then the second one was <laughs> oh no was, it was yeah going oh, oh no God. this person reminds me of me <laughs> <laughs> that, like, yeah it's those it's the it's the negative traits isn't it that, like yeah. reclusive avoided <laughs> disillusioned a bit somber <laughs> like oh no yeah. I, th- I, th- I think i actually had messaged you guys at the time being like really like this character like i'm seeing a lot of myself in this in this character but like i said it in like a positive that, way yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then like three more hours of playing i was like oh god <laughs> <laughs> there's another one coming out by the same team that apparently will feature some of the characters like me <gasps> really excited about that i saw there was another one coming out i just i didn't realize there was there was crossover yeah revenant hill it's made by the same studio the art is basically that exact same sort of weird giant eyes mm. and things and yeah apparently a lot of the characters from night in the woods will feature again so <laughs> you can get your existential fix all over again <laughs> um <laughs> crisis <laughs> <laughs> Last round, gang. Last round. Becky, how are you breaking my heart this round? Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, excellent. I've deliberately (laughs) picked, like, levity for the last one. Because, so we talked about the pandemic. I could have gone for GTA online for obvious reasons. Because, you know, it brought us together, Sasha, Andy... I'm Foxy to a certain extent because I think Sasha just kind of dragged you into the, the general circle with her streaming, which is great. <laughs> so I think that was responsible for a lot of, uh, of things. But the one I wanted to talk about especially was Fall Guys. Oh, God. Excellent. <laughs> it is impossible. Just it is impossible. I believe it fully to get through any single round of Fall Guys without laughing at some point. 
and laughter really is the best medicine especially for mental health it releases all these chemicals that make you feel better and I don't think I have ever laughed more than when I've been playing Fall Guys with you guys but also with other friends as well we talk about you know games that have had sort of like calming influences or you know they've kept those social interactions going you know foxy for you in terms of like the the kind of finding the the answers and stuff i i think all of those are really really good points but i also think like one of the most important functions of games for mental health is them being fun and four guys is the stupidest silliest most ridiculous game to play with your friends and i think like i just i love it still i haven't played it for a while i haven't played it with you guys for a really long time and i do miss it but during the pandemic when everything was so serious and so dire at times and obviously sasha was shielding i i suffer from health anxiety so i was having a shit fit for like the first three months of the pandemic but for the for four guys it's just impossible not to have fun well one of my favorite memories is me getting stuck upside down in a fan and all like none of us could finish the level because we were laughing so hard and i couldn't be and there's a video somewhere i'm sure andy can find it to post it for the for socials but there's just my little bean upside down in a fan and i can't do anything about it and the audio is just me dying of laughter in the background because i can't move you know we've we've had so many adventures together in that game and you know even just thinking about some of the stuff we got up to now some of the levels like the team levels where all of us were crap or all of us were good like the satisfaction of winning that fucking ball goal level thingy yeah i just i think you know the serious games that explore mental health are really important absolutely but also it's really important to laugh and to have fun and that can sometimes be the best way of getting yourself out of a funk and you know you guys i've played among us with you guys gta you know four guys all of these things you know D even i know it's not a video game but we've all played D together and it's hilarious and i think the best way out of funk is having fun and it doesn't always work it's not one of those things where it's like oh just cheer up and carry on but sometimes just having a really good laugh can alleviate that stress or that depression just for a little bit just to get you back even just for a moment just remembering you know friends who you are how you have fun and yeah four guys you you can't not have fun playing four guys i'm sorry it's just it's too stupid we've had some of our most psychotic exactly breakdowns (laughs) playing that game exactly it's a healthy way to psychotically (laughs) break down (laughs) just i have never played it and I feel really bad. Oh, fuck. Right, we have to play Fall Guys with Foxy at some point. Because it's, cro- it's cross-play now. So it's no cross-play, excuse. and it's like it's free to play as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, there's no excuse now, Foxy. We shall stumble no. boys together. <laughs> the closest the closest experience I can think of this is to, like, back when I used to play Micro Machines V3. Oh, yeah. It's very much that energy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just... Uh, yeah. I even just I'm trying not to laugh now because I keep thinking of like different moments <laughs> like Sasha and Chip just grabbing each other and refusing to finish a level <laughs> for no apparent reason other than they could just grab each other and refuse, refuse to finish the level getting pinged off into oblivion during one of the the uh, seesaw rounds or fighting other players because they were being dicks to one of us so we all gang up on them and push them off something I mean you just yeah it's cathartic <laughs> I love that. I love that as a pick. 
Thank you. Yeah. Just generally, anything we play together is sheer chaos. Oh, just, yeah. And it doesn't matter how long it's been since we last played a game, and it doesn't matter what game we play, we will find a way. Oh, yeah. I, nothing is nothing is sacred, chaotic. nothing is safe. Excellent, excellent choice. Thank you, thank you. Andy, how about you? What's your last pick? So, my last pick will be Death Stranding. Okay, we're right back mm. down again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I, I do feel like I should probably do a content warning of sorts because I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, depression and suicidal thoughts. So a bit of a come down from Fall Guys, sorry. Really <laughs> glad I timed it where I did. <laughs> <laughs> we, we love a bit of whiplash yeah. on, on yeah. the one-up pod. You can, you can swap those around in the edit. Nah, I'm going to keep it. I like whiplash. <laughs> oh, yeah. We all know that. <laughs> We're going to bring people up, throw them back down again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I got this game, it was at the tail end of just an absolutely terrible year in my life. Just a lot of stuff was going wrong at once. I won't get into any of that shit. It's in the past and I'm in a far better place now. The best possible place. So there's no need to dwell on things. So I'll just say that at the start of 2019, I had contemplated suicide on several occasions. It was a subject I never liked to bring up with friends because at the time because you get that stupid fucking guilt in your head that you're going to be a burden on people or make them stress out or worry which that doesn't really reflect reality it's just how the brain works when you've reached that kind of breaking point it's just another little lie it tells you so while obviously i didn't do anything i did spend the rest of that year after the initial ideas of ending it i was just kind of existing I think my mentality was, I think it was kind of like I was sticking around until I could build up the nerve to do something. And it is no exaggeration to say that I think Death Stranding saved my life. It immediately resonated with me. Now in 2023, it's quite easy to to point to the game and say like Kojima basically predicted the isolation era of COVID-19. But in 2019, that wasn't a thing, obviously. So this game was speaking to me more on like a mental health level, like as an allegory. The BTs, they're like these almost phantoms that like kind of come out of nowhere and they'll attack you without you expecting them and like they, they can kill you if they ever catch you. Those kind of things stuck with me as kind of like allegories for how I was feeling about my depression. I'm just constantly running away from this thing. And if it does catch me, it's going to kill me. There's another thing in the game that every every character feels isolated from each other. There's been a forced physical distance, but there's also an emotional distance with the main character Sam. He's very closed off from everybody. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to be touched like physically or emotionally. And the only contact you get with people is through these digital impressions of people. So it's kind of like how I'd be feeling. Like I'd spend a lot of my time just talking to people online because a digital version of a person was easier to communicate with it felt there's just all these little details in the game that just kind of made me feel like that chainsaw man meme like he just liked me for real (laughs) outside of the story it was the gameplay that really made me rethink things about my life for anyone who hasn't played death stranding or has found the whole thing too off-puttingly weird to give a try the gameplay loop is basically you walk from a to b to deliver packages to people and along the way, you need to avoid scavenger tribes that want to steal your shit. The BTs that are going to spring out of nowhere. That's like half of the struggle. One of the biggest struggles is overcoming the terrain. So you have this large open world map. It's like entirely traversable through different methods. You just have to work out how and you have to you have to be determined. 
and you usually spend the early stages of each map just walking and it's really hard going and it takes a long time and like the weight of your packages can slow you down and they can even impair certain aspects about you like stopping you from climbing or fighting because you have to use both of your arms to help carry the cargo so it, the journey is it's hard and it's dangerous but getting where you need to go was just so incredibly satisfying and rewarding in a way i never felt with a game before there were moments where i'd finally reach a new location and the game would do a needle drop it was usually like a low raw song or something like that and i'd always feel overwhelmed sometimes i'd just burst into tears just because i'd i'd finally got where i needed to go after all that hard work the thing that i learned quite early on just to get through a mission on the game is if you think about nothing but the destination you're going to drive yourself insane just trying to fathom how you can get there because like looking at the map and the distance and the terrain it looks impossible and it'd be very easy to just give up and just not try it's just too much and i do that a lot in life that just giving up on things because it, it looked hard in its totality but the game kind of helped me realize that the key to getting through it and it this, this game really hammers this instinct into you like you need to be patient and you need to go step by step and you need to be prepared to improvise and change. Like you can make a plan, but don't expect it to go the way you want it to go. And don't be discouraged if it doesn't. Just be prepared to change, pivot, just do something different, try something different, try anything because it might work. If you're patient and you take your time, you've still got this. And that message kind of sunk into my head just be patient don't rigidly stick to my plans don't freak out if they're not working take your time go one step at a time and you'll get there you'll get to where you need to be just that idea just the idea of getting to a mentally healthy place felt impossible looking at it in its totality all the things in front of me just seemed, it seemed impossible then i thought about this i just applied the same logic and it just started to make a bit more sense just i could i could do it i just needed to not think so much about getting there like right away i needed to take my time and then there's a multiplayer component to the game it makes me think of there's a quote that the american kids present there mr rogers is a well-known quote of his he'd say his mother would always tell him as a little boy to look for the helpers you will always find people who are helping and that's what this the multiplayer component of death stranding is like you share a server with all these people and you will never see them they're playing their own game but you're in a shared server and they will build structures they will leave things behind on the landscape and it will transfer into your game so it'll be like things like ladders rope lines whole fucking highways mm. or something just like a little dotted map on like a dotted like route on your map which is a safe way to go there are always people out there helping like every time you do something in death stranding people can leave likes behind for it so you have a tangible counter of how many people you have affected doing something helpful in that game you don't get that in life but it's a nice thing to see in the game there's a reminder that you are doing something and whether you see it whether you have any idea it's happening it's out there that's just a really nice detail in the game it's a system designed to promote purely positive interactions but it does remind you of your impact you have on others and i started thinking about that in terms of my own life as well it, won't, it wasn't really like leaving a ladder behind for people but i wouldn't rule that out i've probably abandoned a couple of things in fields that people might have found helpful i've definitely chucked a tent or two away into a tree <laughs> it's more likely to be things like a moment of kindness you gave someone or a joke that made someone laugh a song that reminds you of someone just these little things you put out into the world that help people 
who need them and are making their lives better in some way. You can't see it, but it's out there. And just feeling that sense that, yeah, maybe there are people out there that have been better that I was in their life than not. That that made a big difference as well to me. It feels like every element of this game was giving me things that I needed to hear and needed to know, but I didn't have the strength to ask people or to look for myself. It's a really, it's a sprawling, strange and beautifully earnest game and it's only grown in my estimation. It's even more relevant now that I'm a father because there's a lot of stuff in Death Stranding about fathers. Hideo Kojima made it as a way of helping process the grief of losing his own father. I can't get any of that the stuff in the game without spoilers but it did feel more profound to me after Morgan was born. There's really something quite beautiful about how it expresses the idea of children. Uh, like when I'm long gone, Morgan's going to be there carrying me with him. He's my bridge into the future. That's kind of how the game puts it. And every time I pick up this game, it reminds me it reminds me that I'm lucky to be here, but also that I worked hard to be here. And I made it. No matter how hard things get, I did make it. And if things get hard again, I can make it again. I just have to be patient, take it step by step, and I can get there. Well, I think we can end I think we can end the podcast there. So no, I'm kidding. That was <laughs> Thanks so much for saying that. Yeah. I'm really glad you're still here too. Cause me too. I was talking a lot about Death Stranding with you at the time as well, so that was a little yeah. bridge that we had. Yeah. Or a zip line. Yeah. Or a ladder. <laughs> or a piss mushroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Okay. I didn't bring up the piss mushroom. Yeah. yeah. You can leave piss. Now you're, now you're having your cake and eating it though, because you brought it up, which I think is a good time to segue to Foxy. <laughs> but I want to talk about the piss mushroom, Sasha. No, I do not. Foxy. So I'm supposed to follow piss mushrooms and fall guy. Like, yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the pod. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel, never I, anticipate what you're gonna get. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like at this point I really should have gone for some more levity, <laughs> but no, no, I'm, I'm afraid I'm not. <laughs> so yeah, my my pick is one that I I really didn't I really didn't expect that I that would have the effects on me that it did. I, I I don't think I knew I don't think I knew that I needed it until I'd played it. But it's uh, Firewatch. I remember firing it up and thinking this is going to be some cutesy little game where you look out for fires and you radio in the coordinates and maybe you carry a little bucket of water around with you and then I started it and do you remember like I don't know 10 or 15 years ago when people went to see Pixar's Up <laughs> and they they sat in the cinema and they said teehee we're, we're going to watch a little old man fly off on balloons and then the film started and there's that married life segment that goes through all the snapshots of their life together that ends in tragedy and him being left alone. <laughs> Firewatch is kind of like that, except where like the tragedy part strikes in like their mid thirties. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so your character Henry is is kind of heading off into the into the wilderness to to be a, a Firewatch ranger for the for the summer because he's essentially running away because you find out through the kind of opening preamble bit that he met his his wife they start building their life together and then she starts forgetting things and it turns out she has early onset alzheimer's and he doesn't cope with it very well he starts drinking and her, her family essentially moves her into kind of assisted living in australia and he stays in the states and decides that he's going to go off into the middle of nowhere and just try and be alone because he can't he can't deal with it uh, and I thought, this is a very different game from what I seem to have been sold. <laughs> <laughs> 
But when I played this, it was kind of, I don't know, about a year and a half into being a dad for the first time. And we, we had our, our first kid right at the beginning of the pandemic. So the first while was kind of a, a rough time because, you know, you had new baby and everything and nobody could actually come and see it and you couldn't go anywhere with it. And it was just an odd time for everyone for lots of different reasons. But I think in the run-up to becoming a parent and the period after becoming a parent, there's a lot of kind of complicated feelings involved in that. And it's wonderful becoming a parent and it's, you know, and it's great and you're really, really happy. But not all of those feelings are positive ones. And it takes a lot for me to say that because for, for a really long time I felt like quite a, I guess, a, a deep sort of sense of shame about that. That, you know, this this is a wonderful thing. How can you have kind of any of these sort of negative emotions running through your head associated with it. And yeah, I just felt really quite shameful about it. And in the game, you, you kind of head off into the middle of the nowhere and you, you start chatting to the, the person who kind of oversees you in your Firewatch Tower, who's called Delilah, and you start talking with her. And the game gives you kind of various ways of, of interacting with her. And you can keep things entirely professional or you can kind of be a bit more friendly or you can even openly kind of flirt and say, you know, well, you know, things are not going to work out with my wife. How can this go on? And and I think what's wonderful about the game is that it presents you with all of these complicated feelings and tough decisions that, that people find themselves in, but it makes no kind of moral judgment on those decisions. There's no like morality system built into the game. I mean, there rarely is like Every game that says they have a morality system is usually rubbish. Like, God God love me, I, I love Bioshock, but, like, that's not a morality system. Kill all the little <laughs> kids or don't don't kill all the little kids. <laughs> like, yeah. like, it's very black and white. Yes. And even even then, like, you still get all the stuff. <laughs> so there's, there's no actual consequences either way. Yeah. But in, in Firewatch, yeah, it says, you know, people make these decisions, but it's not right or it, wrong it's just this is how they feel and, and this is how it's being presented to you and it was nice to be able to kind of amble about in this world and and the writing is just like astonishing it's it's possibly the best writing in a game that i've that i've ever played the two of them are just so so human and you kind of look forward to each interaction between them and it even gives you that kind of option of just not saying anything but not saying anything feels like a choice in the game it doesn't just feel like a oh, well, I'm not going to do this bit of the game. It's one of those situations where maybe ending a conversation early has a, a kind of a statement in itself. And yeah, it was just really, really nice to be in that kind of space where it's kind of alone and wide open and you're allowed to just make decisions without judgment. There's a great kind of mystery plot that's that's woven through it, but I'm kind of, the, I, I don't know if this is controversial or not, but I don't need story-driven story games to actually have a good plot. I just need them to tell the story well. You know, when you think back to like the kind of the golden age of narrative first-person shooters, like when Half-Life and Deus Ex were coming out, if you describe the plot of like Half-Life to someone, it's the most derivative B-movie crap you can think of. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's not, you know, you're not going to write it down on paper and people go, oh my God, this is amazing. It's not, it's, it's classic standard alien invasion stuff what makes certain narrative games good is that they take whatever plot they happen to have but they tell it in in interesting ways and mm. and yeah i think that's that's kind of what 
this game was like, I mean, to be honest, I, I think in this game, the, the story actually was really good as well. It's a nice little mystery to it. And at one point you think it's going to go all kind of x files -y, but the kind of emotional through line is just that relationship between the two of you. And I just found it really, really moving. And I think it just, I just played it at exactly the right time when I needed to play it. And that's what, that's what it's all about, really, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I love everything that we've all shared. And honestly, I'm struggling with, like, I had a big list of games that I could mention. And I could swing in with a bit of levity mm -hmm. and, you know, talk about my, my favorite hot goth androids <laughs> in Nier uh, in a very specific way in which they saved me. You know, they brought me JRPGs. Like, I genuinely think that is what Nier did for me. Uh, without Nier, I don't think I would have even considered starting Final Fantasy. Without either of those two, I don't think I'd have ever played Persona 5. Uh, and all my partner is very much responsible for a lot of those as well. He's loved JRPGs his whole life and introduced me to something that just has that sensibility, that sense of humour that I do. And, you know, cannot overstate how important the hot goth androids are. <laughs> um, in general, really. In general, yeah. Not spoken as someone who has a little statuette of 2B or anything. <laughs> An art of the androids and things. No, no, no. Like, I... I thought about that or I mean to be fair Becky I genuinely had been considering if you hadn't of doing like a, at least some of the games we played as mm -hmm. a group even going so far as to admitting phasmophobia <laughs> 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 was even you know no matter how many times Andy and Chip abandoned me <laughs> to my certain death to ghosts glutton for punishment I think it remains one of the most harrowing screams of mine ever <laughs> recorded yeah when it's like, Handy Chip, the ghost is coming to you. Ah, no, it's coming to me. It turned around and then I was dead. <laughs> and I've made light of that, but it was a genuine harrowing Oh, yeah, scream. you probably screamed. Yeah, death, death scream and per the game as soon as I died the guys could no longer hear me so literally all they heard was my scream in terror. <laughs> and it cuts off as well. I think that's yeah. like, there's a very definite like cut rather than you fading out. <laughs> Amazing. So like, you know, the games brought me you guys and ah, oh, games are a constant, you know, between me and my partner and me and my son and just me and the world. Like, I feel like I've learned so many different perspectives from games, but I've loved everything you guys have shared. And I don't think, I don't think it's not about bettering as such, you know what I mean? But I don't think I have anything additional to add that isn't just more of the incredible power of video games, truly. Like, truly, like, you guys, even just tonight, have brought me to tears a little bit. Like, sharing such vulnerability, I think, is just great. And, and again, that is another power of video games, right? All that said, we've been very rose-tinted glasses, I think, about a lot of this. And not unfairly. Games have largely been good in our lives. Did just want to briefly touch on. And I think what I'll end up doing is really just rather opening it to the floor as we start to wrap up. Of course, video gaming does have a lot of toxicity within it, mm. within the communities. And there is definitely a burden with dealing with that sort of, you know, more trollish, harmful online behaviour. Anyone who is online feels that to a degree anyway. <laughs> For sure. But there's certainly, there are pockets within gaming that I think are extremely just 
just bad and there's gaming behaviors that an individual can have that are also extremely bad so you know i talk very lovingly about final fantasy but i do remember once playing it for 13 hours straight i barely even got up to go to the loo i certainly didn't eat and you know that's my own you know neurodiverse hyper focus at play Mm. to a degree but there are times when you need to be aware sometimes that you know maybe you're playing too much nobody mentioned the four thousand hours it's not four thousand hours straight all right (laughs) the 13 was the highest i ever did in one sitting of constant play not when it's on in the background while I'm working. A thing if my boss ever would listen, I don't do. But <laughs> <laughs> but I guess just a real quick, as we, as we start to think about winding down this episode, this very beautiful episode that I think is going to be very special to me, just because this is something I just feel quite passionate about advocating anyway, you know, how games are so much better for your well-being than they are worse. But what do we do <laughs> if... <laughs> If a game's becoming too much, or if like it could be an individual game's becoming too much, or it could be a gaming community is becoming too much. If anyone has any tips they would like to share, I would like to joke about setting time limits, but it's a thing I'm incapable of doing. <laughs> so <laughs> I can give out the advice, I can't take it. I think for me, it's the power of warping your way, whether that's being involved in mm. like a toxic conversation. Andy especially knows this. I used to get into fights on Twitter all the time with misogynist dickheads. Yeah. And at time at I would relish the kind of the fight and I would feel really righteous and really good about it. But it just left me feeling so drained afterwards. And it got to the point where I would be on guard for people replying. Um similarly, you know, talking about certain games or playing certain games as well where you can feel yourself getting too wrapped up, you know, in a negative way. And I think, you know, learning when to walk away, whether that's time limits or taking a break, you know, or walking away from the conversation. It was something we talked about in our L.A. Noir episode, Sasha. In terms of being a female gamer as well, there's a whole sort of extra kind of context going on in the background of playing games that you're not always conscious of, but can rear up quite quickly in conversations with other gamers or reading articles you know about the toxic behavior and stuff and it can bring its own issues with it so I've learned that there are certain triggers I can feel in my body where I'm getting too wrapped up in something and knowing that that's the time to walk away and it's a hard-won skill and I don't always get it right but I think that's one of my main takeaways for what is getting a bit too much is just just leave it. Just It's okay to just walk off for a bit and cool down and come back later. My only solution that I've discovered is just to avoid getting burnout is to have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> it really limits how much time you can play a game in the evening. Because you just want to, as soon as the baby's asleep, you want to go to sleep as quickly as possible. <laughs> so like, I just make the most of any time I have with a game. I can't spend too much time on a game. So I make sure I'm only playing games I really want to play. Uh, I don't think that's a practical solution for everybody, unfortunately. So, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. No, Andy, not. that's terrible advice. I don't know. Don't anyone, anyone can do it unless you want a baby. If you want a baby, then it's great advice. But it's not <laughs> so going to help. I think using anyone. that as the solution to. <laughs> It's not why I knocked Caroline up, I'm just going to say. <laughs> oh, don't phrase it that way. Andy! Oh, my God. <laughs> Walk away, Becky. Walk away. Foxy, save us here. <laughs> Have a have a have a good answer. <laughs> Same um, as Foxy. But well, um, I mean, 
I'm kind of with Andy. <laughs> right, no, but, no, but, no. Um, Could you no. off? No. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I wasn't, I wasn't great at dealing with the whole toxic fandom stuff. I used to be a like a, a forum person on like PC gamer futures forums, that kind of thing. I think I stopped around about kind of 2009 ish when you were starting to get that kind of pre gamergate crowd encroaching more and more. And, you know, you got more and more kind of casual homophobia being thrown around. And mm. it just, it really kind of put me off the community at large. And I don't think I ever came up with a, how do I deal with this sort of thing? I just, I just stopped, which was a shame because, you know, the, the decades ruined it for everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I don't really have, yeah, advice on the whole like burnout thing because like Andy, I don't have time to play <laughs> games. <laughs> um, you know, I, the, the way I, manage to play enough games is just by not sleeping (laughs) (laughs) oh god this is terrible (laughs) yeah it's really it's truly spectacularly awful i love this as a way to end this episode truly i do but but you could set Uh a timer ignore it if you're playing stardew valley which is what i always did yep yeah i wish i had better advice here yeah, Becky started out strong and we just yeah it went it went downhill so quickly so quickly so so spectacular. I love how the solutions are walk away, have a baby, don't sleep. Mm. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe, maybe this, this is the point where you like open it up to the, to the community of listeners. Yeah. Yeah. You guys deal with it. Yeah. Can you beat walking away, having a baby or never sleeping? <laughs> We'd love to hear from you. That's, that's, that's your, that's your Spotify poll or question. For... Yeah. <laughs> oh God. God, I think all I would add to I'll try and you know try and bring bring this back in Good luck. somehow was there's quite a few examples right now coming out and in fact Peregrine Coast Press uh, making video games mental health journal it's called Sidekick that comes out like in summer of this year um but it's an example of one of the things that this one of the studies found is you know like i talked there about what how much is too much how much is too much escapism when does it become detrimentally avoidant like excessive play or like that power of stepping away like becky mentioned and and one of the things to remember is that especially like where excessive play comes in is you know it's like super individual like i can play something for 13 hours straight and you know aside from some physical well-being issues i still back up that as a genuinely great day (laughs) (laughs) so your your advice is paracetamol and ibuprofen (laughs) (laughs) but what they're finding is that there's a lot of value in like prompted prompted reflection for playing with intention I think it's like the idea that a lot of us don't actually really put two and two together. I mean, we're all like quite introspective people. So I think we very easily did, which is why, you know, we've been able to talk for such a long time on the subject (laughs) because it actually turns out that we're very easily able to identify all of the various ways, all of the various games saved us in either tiny or major ways. But there's a lot of people that don't necessarily put two and two together, don't realise that maybe they're gaming to relieve stress or that maybe they're doing it for that sense of control or they're doing it for you know that distraction and that like escapism so yeah it has been proven that like almost like journaling these kind of tools that are starting to be made so you start to identify a little bit more of that so i think that that light journal those specific ones 
can be quite cool. I'm a big fan of like notebook type stuff anyway. So, you know, I love a little prompted dive into my mental well-being. <laughs> <laughs> Call me a sadist. So I think that's just another thing that can be used to sort of promote that mental well-being. And I think unless anyone else has anything they want to add, I would just like to conclude with that games are good, actually. Games rock. Agreed. Yep. And anyone who tells you otherwise, point them in my direction and I will fight them. I've been Bash. I am Bash at Demon Head on things... Becky, where can people find you? I am Becky Gracely on Twitter and Instagram. Andy? I am truly underscore defective on Twitter. And Foxy, where can people find you? I am at Digital Sneeze on Twitter and Sneezing Fox on Instagram and lurking in sewers elsewhere. (laughs) 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 What an outro. (laughs) Excellent, excellent. You want a balloon? Oh, God. (laughs) We have been the 1UP podcast uh, at 1UP pod anywhere you find social media except TikTok and we can be found on most podcast platforms so you know do listen to us on yours that you like to listen to podcasts on that was a really weird way of phrasing that yeah thank you so much for listening get a life play video games We've discussed some really sensitive topics here and some of us have been quite vulnerable in that but obviously the offset of that could be that it could be quite triggering in terms of those topics aside from the fact that we do know that up to 39% of people especially in the video games industry suffer with ill mental health so if you do need any resources especially here in the UK there is Samaritans, there is Shout, there is Rethink Mental Illness and Mind who are all a number of charities that offer frontline services and online information. Shout as well does have a text line and Samaritans has a free call line if you are in crisis. That is 24-7, 365 a year. Um, And if you are a young person, there is also Young Minds, which is committed to improving emotional well-being and mental health in young people. For other resources around the globe, a good space that's very video game focused is safeinourworld.org forward slash find dash help. And they have multiple sources listed out depending on the country you find yourself in. Please take care of yourself.